It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the story of how successful executives made it into the boardroom. I'm Ken McCarthy, founder and managing director of BlackRock Resources, a leading international search firm focusing on the private equity and venture capital industry and their portfolio companies. We help top companies attract, hire, and retain the best talent in the market. BlackRock's Into the Boardroom series is dedicated to discovering how senior executives in various industries have advanced their careers. Making available to our listeners for the first time, listen and learn how successful executives have made it to the top, the lessons they've learned, and the people they've met. I know you'll enjoy listening as much as I have. Please feel free to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on our next podcast. Today, my guest is Jose Suarez. Jose is a senior executive with over 25 years of experience in engineering and construction for the resources industry, covering mining and oil and gas, power and infrastructure, manufacturing and technology. Jose has worked in all continents and has a track record in creating and fostering high-performance teams. Jose, welcome to Into the Boardroom. As with all our guests, we like to start with your early years and where you grew up and what was your family like? Well, thank you, Ken, for the opportunity to be here with you. Uh, Pleasure. I was uh, born in Puerto Rico, uh, which is uh, part of the United States. Uh, my father was an electrical engineer working in the cement industry. And before uh, my mother married my father, she was a flight attendant for Pan American Airlines. Uh, oh, after they got married... Uh, my mother just stayed at home and uh, had uh, my two sisters and myself. Uh, our family uh, is a family that uh, immigrated to Puerto Rico from uh, multiple parts, uh, Spain, the, the southern region, the Basque region, and, and also from Germany. Mm. And there's a lot of uh, need and like of academics in our family uh, from, from history. Mm-hmm. And, and also a lot of uh, public service, uh, combined service. Uh, uh, my family uh, has served over 130 years in the U.S. military in, in different wow. factions. So that, that's wow. really what shaped these, the, the academics and also giving back to, to the United States as far as being uh, in the military. Fantastic. Excellent. Super. So what were your, what were your sisters like growing up and um, you know, did they inspire you? Yes, uh, actually, two sisters. Uh, one died when she was very young, uh, uh, which was, uh, you know, very uh, tragic for our family. Uh, of course. But my mother was a very strong woman. Uh, we we went forward. My sister is four years younger than I am, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, very good academically. Uh, she studied uh, law, mm-hmm. and uh, later yeah. on, she became a teacher, and she, uh, she lives in Pennsylvania, and. Uh, so uh, I did get inspired by, by her. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're very different. Uh, mm-hmm. Where she's more of a free spirit and, and more into uh, uh, living life, uh, mm-hmm. I would say, a lot different than mine. What I'm more, uh, more uh, inclined to be in the corporate world and also uh, travel quite a bit. So we're a little mm-hmm. bit different, but, uh, yeah. but we also uh, feed on each other. Yeah, excellent. Very good. Very good. So who or what else were early, you know, inspirations for yourself in your life, Jose, when you were growing up? 
Well, you know, my father and my grandfather and also some uncles, uh, mm-hmm. it, it is very interesting because my father did everything he could to convince me to study medicine. We had a, <laughs> a lot of family uh, members who are medical doctors. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and really, I did not want to be a medical doctor. I always wanted to be an engineer. Uh, one of his younger brothers is a mechanical engineer. My father's an electrical engineer. And, and one day I told my father, you know, uh, please stop uh, pushing me in that direction. And, and, and he said, well, I'm not really pushing you. I said, look, you, you take me to the cement plant where you work every weekend. And I've been around machinery since I was uh, a toddler. Mm-hmm. And it's really your fault. You really introduced me to, to big mills and big machines and quarries yes, yeah. and mines. And, and, and that's fascinated <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, Mm. Uh, you know, and I also look at my grandfather. My grandfather was an accountant, right. but he always pushed for for education. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then those really were 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 things that inspired me early on. Fantastic, excellent. So you know, were, were you a good student yourself, Jose? Y- yes, I was a yeah. very good student, and specifically, uh, my strongest uh, subjects were uh, science and math. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, in, in school. Very good, excellent. So, what what were you doing outside of class? I mean, were you were you into sport or music or? Uh, I was into sports. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually played organized uh, sports, uh, and specifically basketball, mm-hmm. in both uh, junior high school and high school. Uh, and then uh, in different clubs outside of school, I also played. So, basketball was really the main sport that I played. I also. Uh, uh, learn martial arts, uh, specifically mm-hmm. uh, Taekwondo, karate. Okay. And, and then in school, uh, I was also involved in the student council and, and different clubs like the photography club. Uh, photography mm-hmm. is one of my uh, uh, hobbies and passions. So I, I was pretty busy between all the club activities and the sports. Mm, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, were you doing anything entrepreneurial um, in between sports and social? Yes, uh, you know a lot of the club uh, clubs that I that I belong, especially the student council and photo club. We 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 actually had to come up with ways to to raise money for the activities of the club. So we always come up with ideas on how we can do that, and we were fairly successful. Uh, interesting too. We we also like to to paint murals uh, in school to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, either sports uh, activities or historical things. And then I was involved in that. So we were always looking at ways to be able to, to do that. Uh, very good. Very good. And what were some of your um, earliest jobs, you know, if you were working during, uh, during school or college? Well, it, it's interesting you ask that because my parents were really uh, very insistent that I did not have a full-time job during high mm. school to devote time to the academics and to the sports. When time came to select a university, mm-hmm. I wanted to pursue the, the family tradition of the military. So uh, yes. I went to a military university uh, for my undergraduate degree, the Virginia Military Institute, mm-hmm. uh, where I studied my engineering degree. And, and mm-hmm. really, you're not allowed to have a job. Uh, what I did is in my life, uh, third year, what is called the second class year, the junior year for a normal university, mm-hmm. I assisted the professors of engineering in different laboratories. 
So it, it, that, that's really the, the only job that I could have and, and that I had right. in my four years of university. But it was a great experience because I, I was able to set up uh, the laboratories and learn a lot and got really close to the professors. So that was really uh, very good. Once you finished up in, uh, in, in, in uni, I mean, what was your first job uh, well, that uh, you uh, secured? I was actually talking about that the other day with some friends. I graduated <laughs> yeah. uh, on the 15th uh, of May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next day I was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Navy. So my first uh, job was really as a U.S. Navy officer. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, really uh, my first uh, full-time job. Mm. Fantastic. And, and did you have any leadership responsibility earlier on? Absolutely. Uh, you know, with the military, as an officer is right away, you're, you're in charge of a group of people. So that mm-hmm. happened. And, you know, it's, it's a, a really very uh, humbling experience because you are 22 years old and mm-hmm. here you are with a group of people. In this case, uh, uh, it's a group of about 30 to 40 people. Some of them, you know, double my age at the time. And, and mm-hmm. you have to really learn to lead them. I mean, I was uh, fortunate that the military university uh, trained you for this uh, Mm -hmm. to to be a leader. But uh, early on, it really uh, put you in the position that you have to have leadership and you have to to really learn how to be a good leader. Mm -hmm. Fantastic training. Fantastic training. And what were some of the the earliest leadership lessons that you learned from, um, from military college? I'm going to tell you that when it really comes down to it, this is something that I've always believed in and I learned very easy is to take care of your people. Mm-hmm. Uh, both in the military, whether we were pulling uh, in the university, I'm sorry, uh, when we were doing guard duty to make sure that the people that were under your charge doing guard, that we that were taken care of, whether it was cold outside or they needed to have water, mm-hmm. uh, whether they were arrested. Yeah. And, and then in the military is to make sure that the people that work for you were not put in harm's way. Mm, and uh, there were some situations where actually they were, and, and you always have to put yourself in to say, you know, you have to take care of, the, of your people. And that's something that has uh, carried with me through my whole career. Mm, of course, of course, absolutely. And good lessons to, uh, to have learned as well. Absolutely. But- but was there 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 any additional um, um, lessons from your early management experiences? Absolutely, and I will say there's two more that are really very important to me is to be positive. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, uh, when when you with a group of people and you create a culture of positiveness, you can conquer a lot. And yeah. you know, when you go to a group of people that everybody's negative, that you know, everybody just doesn't believe in what we're doing and, and doesn't really care. It's tough. And you have to really work with that culture to change it. So positive attitude is is important. And the last one is to not give up. I mean, I think you have to be relentless about uh, what you're doing and never give up and, and, and accomplish what you're set to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that said, I mean, what were the best or the, the worst lessons that you've learned from from previous bosses that you've had? It's, uh, you know, preparing for this podcast, you, you go back and, and the reality is that I have had a lot of great uh, bosses, and but I've also had some that are not that great. 
And I have to say, I have to thank those that were not that great uh, because I really learned from them mm-hmm. uh, also. And, and I think, you know, when I look at the traits of people that are not that good of a boss, it, it gets down to about not caring about their people, mm-hmm. uh, having more care about their personal interest and the enterprise. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, not having integrity. And, and that's something that is also very important to me is your word is your bond. So when you're dealing with clients or you're dealing with people, is your word means a lot. I mean, that doesn't mean that you may change the direction of where you're going, and that happens for multiple reasons. And you come back to people, tell them, look, what I told you is this, but it's not changed for the following reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but I would say the issue of uh, the bosses that I that are not the best that I run into is the issue of integrity, the issue about not caring about people, and the issue about them being worried about themselves, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, how's your leadership style uh, evolved over time, Jose? Well, it's uh, very interesting because uh, early on after I left the military, to really have the, uh, the adjustment uh, to go to the civilian life, you have to adjust because uh, you go from uh, a very direct leadership style, and some people may call it too hard, mm-hmm. to be more collaborative. And with time, you have to learn that. The military is totally different to, to civilian life. So I would say right now, my leadership style is, is collaborative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a very strong leader. Uh, and, and, and people sometimes uh, say that he, that Jose Suarez has two speeds, fast and fastest. <laughs> I, uh, I really need action and, mm-hmm. and I want action done. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the thing too is, I really put a lot of myself as far as my drive, mm-hmm. and but it's not anymore that I ask people to do. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't ask any anybody to do anything you weren't prepared to do yourself. Absolutely, essentially? absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Very good. That's 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 quite a common trait uh, that we hear in a lot of uh, uh, CEOs that I've interviewed over the years. It's very interesting. So, uh, I mean, Jose, how how would you decide if it's time to? You know, micromanage or take a step back? Well, I, I think micromanagement is one, and, and I'm going to categorize micromanagement as a disease, and I think it's really a disease. Mm, right. I, I, I think that people confuse micromanagement with being involved and knowing what's happening. And, and the reality is this, and I, I was having that discussion the other day with some people, saying, well, I, I, I think that perhaps you should go there and travel and look at what's going on. And I say, you know, that, that's fine because you really want to have a pulse in what's happening. Mm-hmm. But if I have to travel so much to, to visit a general manager or somebody that reports to me, perhaps the person is not qualified to do the job. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have to trust people but also verify. Mm-hmm. But to get to the point that you're doing their job and also, you give them the feeling that anything that they do, you are behind with a telescope or a microscope uh, doing whatever they're doing to make sure it's done right. I think it doesn't instill the good culture of collaboration. So I, I think that you need to, to, to do the balance of being able to know what's going on, trust your people, uh, make sure they're well-trained and they can do the job, and have... Uh, 
the methodologies and the systems in place to be able to measure progress. But to get to the point that you have to micromanage everything they do, I think it's counterproductive. Mm. Yeah, understood. Understood. What are your thoughts on building a company culture? What it starts, you know, first of all, is people think that you're going to be successful because everybody you hire is different. It's the same as you. I'm sorry. The reality is start with diversity. People with different thoughts, with different path of life, uh, gender, backgrounds. So I think it's important to have diversity because diversity really brings a lot of good ideas, a lot of stronger ideas, and more feedback on the path. And you start with that. And secondly is to have a clear indication of where you're going forward, what the mission and the vision is, and a strategy, and then be able to measure that jointly. So I think you build that together. And I think it's uh, the issue of trust is very important. I mean, one of the things uh, that has always been a hallmark of my career is you should work hard and you should have fun. But one of the things that I, that I really don't, don't like is when, when people get engaged in a lot of gossiping in the office, Mm-hmm. I think you can have a lot of active discussions and be, become good team members without really having that. So it's an issue, again, of diversity. It's an issue of direction. It's an issue of measurement. It's an issue of making sure that people understand where they're going and how they're doing in that journey. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. I mean, how were you attracted to the senior roles that you've held over the uh, over the last number of years, Jose? Uh, Ken, that's uh, you know, my wife always uh, says, you know, that I'm always looking for challenges, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I've had the opportunity to interview people in the past, and and you know, everybody comes into an interview to say, but what do you when I ask him, what do you want to be in five years, and I. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, well, I want to be in you or you are. And I said, well, you're prepared to, number one, never stop educating yourself, uh, being, be ready to move from where you are. Mm-hmm. Thirdly is travel quite a bit, do a lot, put a lot of hours in, uh, in work, and also look at jobs that are challenging. And I, I mean, I always say that, the difficult uh, we can do immediately, the impossible just takes a few more seconds. Uh, <laughs> it's the challenges. I yep. mean, I'm driven by challenges and I'm driven by always becoming the best and educating myself and also be able to train people for the future. You know, I think that's a legacy that all of us at this stage in our career have. Mm. We have to leave uh, replacements. So I have to train the future. And, and I think being driven by challenging projects and challenging situations and being in a global environment where you're dealing with many cultures is what really drives me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what, what do you look for, Jose, in the people that, um, that you hire? First of all, intelligence. Uh, intelligence mm-hmm. and capability to be able to, to understand the enterprise and also be able to, to grow into the future. I, You know, there are some people that are threatened by hiring people that are more intelligent than they are. The reality is I want to hire people that are a lot more intelligent than Mm -hmm. than I am. It's uh, it's people that I can develop. Mm -hmm. So you start with intelligence. Second is attitude. 
uh, that they really want to do things. And, and thirdly is uh, honesty. And when you have those elements, and, and they may not be uh, developed on the technical side, but they're willing to learn, that, that's the people that I look for. And, and you know, people that, that are driven, that driven to get things done. And uh, there's a lot of people out there like that, and I think it's a responsibility for us to train them mm-hmm. and develop yep. them. Understood. And and finally, Jose, what career or life advice would you give to someone who has their eyes on a uh, boardroom position? Ken, uh, you know, as I look at my career, when I started, uh, I was fortunate that, uh, and, and I will say one of the, the first company uh, that I joined after I left the military was Fleur. Mm-hmm is that they had a, a great program to, to make sure that you went through all the different uh, departments and opportunities, engineering, construction, project controls, procurement. And so that was an opening to, to learn those things. And, and I was able to really learn a lot about the, the different disciplines and construction. And, and as I look at my career, you know, I always look, what is the next position that I need to strive for and became a project manager. So how to become a project manager, but learn more about management and scheduling and, and all those things that, mm-hmm. that are needed for a project. And then when you look at, I need to be, I need to go for a vice president job. What do I need to do? So I need to, to get more finance. So I got a master's uh, in engineering management, which was uh a combination of an MBA and uh, an engineering. Uh, and then you start looking, what else can you do? Well, you're going to aspire to be to the next level. How good can you be in business development? So you get a role in that side. So all those things built up for me to get here. But, but I can tell you that that is important. That is very, very critical to get to this stage. But now is the reality of life is that you also have to understand and live in a world where diversity is important. So mm-hmm. you, you have to, to learn diversity. You have to promote diversity. You have to encourage a diverse workforce uh, to, to work. And, and you have to motivate people and, and also be a good communicator. If you're not a good communicator, you know, you're not going to be able to send your message. And, and early on, you know, when I, when I went to university in the United States, my English wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, as an engineering student, I took a lot of uh, electives in English. But in English, to be able to get up and speak publicly and be able to write more uh, to, to polish my, my, my language. And then later on, you know... Uh, I do give some presentations in public and, and people consider me to be a good presenter, mm-hmm. but I was uh, scared to death early on in my life <laughs> to get in front yeah. of people. But I, the, the, knowing that it was a fear, I conquered that fear by doing more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's uh, working in a global environment, the, the languages, the more languages you can learn the best. And then that's something that I always strive uh, to do is, is to, to be able to, to speak the language of the people that I'm dealing with. That is very important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ken, I, I think at the end of the day, I will be remiss to say that 
the support of a family is very critical to this. I, I'm fortunate to have a great wife who has uh, been with me for over 30 years, uh, moving around the world and supporting me. She has her own profession. She's an attorney and she's, she's made a lot of sacrifices. So, so you have to have that balance of education, of learning, of asking for challenging assignments, but you have to have that support at home. At the same time, you have to support that person in her career. Uh, the other day I was uh, reading about uh, the CEO of Amazon Bezos, and he said there's no such thing as balance in life. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that. And, you know, to a certain degree, you know, when you read the article, you have to strive for it. The reality is we spend more time at work than we spend with our, with our families. And, and you have to make that time with your families to be the best. And you have to really work extra hard to support them. So you have to have that balance game into, mm. into everything. Mm. Wonderful insight. Jose, thank you for joining us today and for sharing your journey. My pleasure, Ken. Thank you for listening to Into the Boardroom with myself, Ken McCarthy. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guests' stories as much as we did. If you want to hear more executives reveal their journey into the boardroom, log on to iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. You can also log on to BlackRock dash resources.com for more. We look forward to having you in the next episode.